Welcome into Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm J.V. Scott, and with me every single weekend is Blaine Greasack. We're here to give you our last-minute thoughts ahead of the Rams taking on the Green Bay Packers, and it's going to be a frigid night in Lambeau on Monday night football. So, uh, man, it's going to be cold for these players. The Rams, you know, coming from Los Angeles, don't play in the elements very often, uh, but we're going to see them you know, really put to the test this week uh, on, you know, a Something that the an entire game that the nation's going to be watching. So, Blaine, how are you doing this weekend? And are you pretty excited for this game? Uh, yeah, you know, I I, I am excited for it. You know, uh, definitely not the. Um, I, I don't think we expected the Rams to be four and nine and Packers to be five and eight at this point in the season when the schedule is put together. But uh, still, should be a pretty pretty good game between two teams that are kind of just just playing to have fun at this point in the season. Yeah, and this. There's a lot of primetime games on the schedule of late. You had Thursday night last week, Monday night this week. You play the Chargers on or the Broncos on Christmas next week. And I think you also have the Chargers uh, in primetime if that game doesn't get flexed out on a Sunday night. So uh, could have been a really big stretch for the Rams if they were in contention. And also, you know, the schedule looks a little bit favorable. Maybe coming into the year, you thought it was going to be a brutal stretch where you took on, you know, the Raiders probably were supposed to be better than they were. Uh, the Packers certainly are supposed to be better. Chargers are supposed to be one of the better teams in football. And, you know, the Broncos really haven't lived up to expectations either. So uh, this should have been a gauntlet-type stretch to close out the year. And said maybe if this team is at 500, entering, you know, the last four or five games of the season, they could have really made a push for the playoffs and been a real contender. Uh, but that's not how it shakes out. And, you know, the Rams broke a six-game losing streak in Baker Mayfield's first appearance. We talked about that on the midweek podcast this week. So probably don't need to, you know, rehash that at all. Um you know, but maybe they can start a little bit of a winning streak to close out the year and build some momentum heading into 2023. So there are some just general news around the NFL that I'd like to cover with you. Uh, let's stay within the Rams division, the NFC West. Kyler Murray tearing his ACL this week. Uh, you know, general manager Steve Keim is taking a leave of absence. Of course, all reports indicate that's medical related. So it really seems like the Cardinals are going through a tumultuous time. Blaine, where do you think they go from here? You know, do they retain Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury or do they say the course of quarterback? They probably have to have that contract extension, right? Yeah, like the Cardinals are tough. They, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I'm not sure you can go another year with Cliff and Kyler as the quarterback, quarter, quarterback coach combo. It, it just doesn't seem like those two are on the same page a lot of the times. And with Kyler Murray's contract, you probably have to, um, you, you probably have to side with Kyler. Um, I think it's, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, what I think the Colin Murray contract might end up kind of shifting things in the NFL. You know, you look at like Rams gave Jared Goff that huge contract and it didn't work. You, the Cardinals have given Kyler Murray that his big contract and it hasn't worked through one year so far. And uh, I think teams are going to start realizing that unless you have a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, you get not to give out these huge 40, $50 million contracts to quarterbacks. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the Cardinals, they kind of had this offseason with a kind of, a um a chance to kind of rebuild. I think Roddy Hudson's contract is pretty um pr- pretty movable. I think they can cut him. Um, if they wanted to move DeAndre Hopkins, they could. Uh, they're, they're, there's a bunch of pieces on that roster that they 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 can move and kind of start a retooling phase if they wanted with a new head coach and GM. Yeah, that's a good point you made on the quarterbacks, and it's almost like that middle tier, the guys who really need a strong supporting cast in order to make an impact on their team and take their team to the playoffs. Uh, they're kind of interchangeable at this point. And we're seeing them move hands more than we've ever seen it in NFL history. So, yeah, you're right. If you don't have a top five upper echelon type of guy, maybe, you know, instead of committing to a, a top 10 starter or maybe top 15 starter, you go out and find someone who's, you know, maybe more affordable or easily replaceable. So 
uh, you know, and we criticized Jerry Goff's contract the Rams gave him, but it's working out pretty well for the Lions right now, and that allows them to invest maybe other portions of their team, knowing that, you know, with the good supporting cast, Jared Goff can take you to the playoffs most likely. So, um, yeah, that Cardinals, they poured a lot of resources into the offensive line, and it was good for the most part last year. They suffered a lot of injuries this year in 2022, not quite to the level that the Rams did, but, you know, you really would expect that unit to perform better given the investment that they've made in it. I also want to get your thoughts on the receiving core where you have DeAndre Hopkins and he missed the first six games of the season with a suspension. They make the offseason trade for Hollywood Brown, gave up a first round pick from and sent that to the Baltimore Ravens. Rondell Moore, you know, he's a second year receiver, second round pick, I believe, but really has made an impact when he's been on the field. You know, really good slot receiver. Um, and, you know, A.J. Green, probably this is maybe his last year in the NFL. Um, his best years are behind him, right? But this off this receiving core is really not too bad. You would expect Kyler Murray and the combination to be fireworks at some point, right? Yeah, you would think so, and and I think that's kind of where a new head coach comes in. I mean, that there there has been, I think, some um, some criticism of of, of Cliff, Cliff Cliff's scheme, and um, and just him and Kyler not being on the same page. Um, so I I think you know you you get you get you put in a fresh offensive mind um, in there and I think you, the, the, there are just so many explosive players on 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 this on that offense. Rondale Moore is a very explosive player if you get the ball in his hands in space. DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins is still one of the premier wide receivers in 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 the league. Um, Hollywood Hollywood Browns that vertical a uh, huge vertical threat and and Kyler has the arm to arm to to throw it to throw it deep and 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 hit, and hit him down the field. So yeah, I, I think you know if you if you if you get them the if you if they can build the offensive line kind of in front in front of Kyler and maybe a fresh offensive mind in there, you, you can see those three players really start to show what they're capable of. Yeah, and I think the most head scratching personnel decision the Cardinals have made is on the defensive side where at one point you had Hassan Riddick and Chandler Jones. And then you make that heavy investment in J.J. Watt and aging J.J. Watt towards the later stage of his career. And it ends up being a trade-off of you have to let Hassan Reddick walk and you trade or Trainer Jones as we're going to the Raiders this offseason. So, and what are you left with? I think maybe that's a big sticking point for me on Steve Kime. But we'll see where the Cardinals go. I agree with you. They probably have to tear it down. Can't run back into the season next year with Kingsbury and Murray together. Um, but, you know, with that contract, Murray probably gets another shot with another offensive mind, just as you said. So, Maybe the Cardinals, you know, next year we're talking about them as a much different team. But also in the NFC West, uh, the 49ers clinched the division with a big win over the Seahawks on Thursday night. Um, what does this change Seattle's outlook for 2022? Well, do you think they can still make the playoffs? Does it does making the playoffs or not impact the way they approach this offseason? Of course, the Rams play the Seahawks in week 18. That could be that game could have a lot of playoff implications. Maybe coming into the year, we thought it'd have playoff implications for the Rams, not the Seahawks, but, you know, the tables have really turned. Yeah, Seattle's situation is really interesting. You know, that they they were looking like they could potentially, you know, steal the NFC West um, with, with the way that they were playing. And, uh, I mean, Geno's really struggled in, in two games this year, and both of them came against the 49ers. And, um, I mean, they, they, do have a, they do have a pretty good – I mean, the Fortnite's one probably one of the best defenses in the league, but um, C- Seattle with 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 Pete Carroll at the age that he is, they're they're going to want to be able to contend for these next probably two to three years. Um, I, I I think it kind of how they had they, I I think they can still make the playoffs. Uh, they have the Jets, um, the Jets and Rams to to to, to finish off the season. Um, 
so the the, the 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 schedule should be in their favor to to kind of sneak in there. And this was a team that I think many people saw maybe maybe pulling out like four games at the beginning of the season. And Pete Carroll's done a fabulous job. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, you know, they have that first round pick from from Denver. Do they go out and get a um, go out and, and 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 take a take a, one of those top rookie quarterbacks? And maybe sit sit in behind Gino. They bring Gino back for for a year or two, maybe, and have the rookie sit for the first portion of of of, of his rookie season, and and have Gino as a backup. Or you know, do, or do they kind of go with that model that they built, kind of in the early two thousand tens, where you know you had um, you had a, a a young version of Russell Wilson that that wasn't kind of what he was. Um, uh, in kind of like, you know, the 2015-2016 range. And, you know, do you build a, a strong defense around Gino? You know, you, know, you kind of had your, your Marshawn Lynch and Kenneth Walker. They have a they, – they they drafted Abe Lucas last year on the offensive, offensive line, and he's been really good at tackle this year. Um, I think if they can kind of get some, some, some defensive pieces in place, they'll be really set going forward. But I think the Geno Smith question is still – a question mark for them, especially, you know, if they do kind of falter down the stretch and miss the playoffs. And I, I just, it's going on the 49ers a little bit, you know, Brock Purdy's playing really well. He's their third quarterback this year. And I guess I kind of want to get your take on this. You know, they, it, it, it kind of seems to me, no matter who you put in Kyle Shanahan's scheme, they find success. And I, Purdy's kind of late, the latest example here. And I mean, you look at what Sean McVay and the Rams have dealt with this year with John Wolford and Bryce Perkins. You know, is, is it, a, is it, a case of coaching do you think with the Rams and then the backup quarterback situation or do you think it's just a case of not having the talent because I mean Brock Purdy was the last pick taken and taken in last year's draft and he's he's looking pretty darn good right now yeah Purdy's really impressed and whenever you compare him to Wolford and Perkins it's really a head-scratching decision that the Rams have never drafted a quarterback under Sean McVay and really CJ Beathard uh, he was a third or fourth round pick too for the 49ers then you have someone like Nick Mullins pretty unheralded came in and he's played well for the 49ers at times didn't find much neither one of those guys have found much success outside of San Francisco which tells you it's probably the scheme and the offensive skill players that elevated their talent and led them to be more productive than they probably would be elsewhere. So, yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, Kyle Shanahan is able to identify, you know, a base level of skill that he looks for in quarterbacks and can make the most out of them. And the Brock Purdy situation makes the Rams look so bad this year, especially when if Wolford and Perkins would have come in and won one or two games in when Matthew Stafford was out initially, maybe you don't shut him and have to shut him down for the year because you're still in contention. But instead, you know, you lost that game against the Cardinals when, you know, Colt McCoy came in in relief of Kyler Murray and got the job done. If you win that game, maybe the course of the season is a lot different whenever, you know, also Andy Dalton, a backup in recent years, got the win over you. Maybe you win that game, changes the trajectory of the season too. But I do wonder after this year, now that the younger guys have gotten a lot of run over some of the more proven starters, like I'm questioning whether Sean McVay is a good evaluator of talent where – you know, the team cuts Terrell Lewis this week. They cut Justin Hollins earlier this season. And those are supposed to be your starters at edge rusher, kind of a combination meant to replace Vaughn Miller initially. And if they didn't live up to the job, uh, they were going to make a trade at the at the deadline this season and, you know, find a starter edge rusher. And neither one of those things happened. You've moved on from them. And then you take an interior defensive lineman in Michael Hoyt, and he's really your full-time edge rusher opposite Leonard Floyd. And there's, you know, there's just other examples Tutu Atwell not getting much playing time and then being very good whenever he's on the field. And, you know, maybe the running back situation with what happened with Daryl Henderson, 
maybe Cam Akers should have been featured earlier. And, you know, Kyron Williams obviously had injury history, but um, I just am wondering, I have less confidence in Sean McVay's town evaluation uh, after going through this season, maybe wondering if the right players are truly on the field, but, you know, I'll give you a chance to respond before we move on, Blaine. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, just look at the, 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 the Rams draft history. I mean, Outside of maybe you know Cooper Cup, who's the kind of the 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 impact player that the Rams have drafted? They they they, they I, I don't think you can really point to one. I mean they they have all these all these role players, and yeah, they haven't had a first round pick or and whatnot, but there have been opportunity. That's not to say that there aren't impact players after the first round either. Like you have to be able to to draft these players and develop them, and um and I, I just I don't think we've seen that consistently enough with these second and third round picks that the Rams quite honestly have had to hit on. And, and instead, you know, um, I mean, just look at the 2020 draft for example, just because, you know, that's where the Rams took, took Terrell Lewis in, 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 in the, in the, in the third round there. I mean, he was, uh, he, he was uh, quite honestly, he's, he's probably a first round talent in the fell in the third round because of his injury history. But, you know, when you have the resources that the Rams have, is that a risk that you can, that you can take? And, um, and then, he, I, I don't really feel like he ever got that run at edge rusher that um, to, to 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 really uh, he he was he was more of a role player than a, than than a featured player to show kind of what he had and he he did have flashes and um and then you look at you know after fifty two and fifty seven they take Cam Akers and Van Jefferson and um when you take a wide receiver in the second round I think your your kind of outlook for them is to be a future wide receiver too and I I don't think <laughs> I, I, I don't think right now you can say that Van Jefferson is a wide receiver too. I think he's better, much better suited as a wide receiver three compliment than he is a compliment to Cooper Cup as as the wide receiver two. There, there's a reason the Rams went out and signed Allen Robinson this past offseason. I think it's because they don't have they didn't have that confidence in a player like Jefferson to to step up. And um, I mean, yeah, you can point to the injury at the beginning of the season, and but when he did come back, I don't think he had the impact that many fans, including myself, really saw him having. Um, and then you look at New England, Joshua Uche, a player that I loved coming out of the 2020 draft. And he was featured in a lot of mock drafts going to the Rams. And he's in New England this year, absolutely balling out. He, he has double-digit sacks, um, has one of the best pass rush win rates, I believe, in the NFL right now. Um, and, and he didn't have the really the same athletic profile as a Trail Lewis or even a Miles Garrett. But he's, he's, he's even going back to his days in Michigan, he cons- he consistently won and got to the quarterback. So you're starting to see that now. And I think at 52 and 57, if you took, you know, if you had a combination of Akers and Uche or Uche and Jefferson, I think you're a lot happier about that, Paul, right now than you are three years later. It's, uh, But yeah, I, I mean, I do agree with you. I think there's a de- development and, and a development issue and a talent, evalu- t- talent evaluation issue that brands really need to figure out before April. Yeah, I was never really a big fan of the Van Jefferson pick, as you mentioned. If you're going to draft a receiver in the second round, you can find, you know, star level players uh, at that level. You know, DK Metcalf was drafted even in the third or fourth round after that. So whenever you take a limited receiver like Jefferson, though, who already fit into the mold of some receivers you already had in your building, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, it was just a head scratchy move to me. Kind of a, like, why are you looking for a third clone instead of a different skill set that can complement those? And it just hasn't worked out for Jefferson at times in his career. And, you know, he had 800 yards last year, probably the most 800, quiet 800 yards we've ever seen and was used in a way that we haven't really seen him use at any other point in his career as that deep threat with Matthew Stafford. And we saw that from the very first game of the season last year. So maybe that's more of a flash in the pan 
than something that we'll see from the rest of his career. But on the flip side, you know, we talked about Robert Rochelle in the midweek podcast. We're talking about Terrell Lewis now, but I would make those picks 99 times out of 100 just because, like you mentioned, Lewis was a was thought of as a first-round talent that fell all the way down to the third round because of injury. That Edge rushes are so hard to find that if you can find that guy with a low-level draft pick in the third round, that is a massive home run for your team, and it's just worth the gamble. And it's unfortunate that didn't work out, and now Lewis is going to play elsewhere, or maybe he's going to be out of the league. But I assume with his frame and his athleticism that he's going to get a shot elsewhere. But, uh, you know, I think the Rams were right for making that gamble and making that call and making that draft pick. But, you know, some not all of them are going to have a 100% strike rate, right? And we've seen the Rams really have some issues with these drafts of late. Um, but we have this exciting game to talk about for Monday Night Football. There's going to be plenty of time this offseason to go over, you know, how they make incremental improvements to get this team back in contention in 2023. But, you know, let's talk about injuries uh, and how this might affect the matchup. John Wolford's been rolled out with a neck injury. John McVay is essentially committed to Baker Mayfield for the final four games. That was really before Wolford was rolled out. Uh, maybe made it seem that this is a more of an injury-based decision than a performance-based decision to start Mayfield the rest of the season. Do you read into that too much, Blaine, or is it just maybe Sean McVay trying to prop up Wolford? Um, yeah, I, I think I think the, over the last month or so, there's been a lot of gamesmanship from Sean McVay to try to keep other teams guessing on who's gonna who's who's gonna start and who's gonna back up, etc. Et, et so I, I think that this might have been part of that. I I I I couldn't have seen a situation after what happened last Thursday where Baker Mayfield didn't start. Um, just because you know, like like we've we've talked about, there's a reason why you went out and got Baker Mayfield, and it was to be able to evaluate this young talent like Skronik, like Atwell. Um, at an effective level, and you just weren't going to get that with 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 Wolford and Perkins. So um, I, I think it's just Sean McVay trying to trying to pull gamesmanship that doesn't make a a ton of sense, quite honestly. Yeah, just for the sake of disagreeing, I guess, and playing devil's advocate, I also think Sean McVay really loves John Wolford, and he would just love to give him another shot because maybe he pro- he thinks that you know he hasn't proved lived up to whatever expectations he had for him, and that maybe he has some something he's holding back or maybe had didn't have the chance to show it. So uh, I, some part of me feels like that's under the influence here too. So uh, Aaron Donald hasn't been ruled out. It's probably unlikely that he's going to play, but sure it would be fun to see him get a rematch against Aaron Rodgers after, you know, he was injured in the playoff game, the divisional round in 2020 and never really got a shot to stop him. And, you know, Rodgers really dominated the Rams in that game. I remember the touchdown, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey in the red zone. I think he also faked out Leonard Floyd in on the play too. So, um, you know, you'd like to see the Rams stars playing, but probably going to be shut down. It doesn't sound like he's shut down for the year, but maybe some more time before we see Aaron Donald. On the Packers side, Romeo Dobbs is expected to return, you know, this wide receiver core. They came in, they rehauled it after trading, you know, Devontae Adams to the Raiders. And, you know, they've maybe struggled early in the season, but they're really coming on of late. Dobbs has 31 catches for 314 yards. Christian Watson has 25 catches for 401 yards. You can definitely see the yards per average difference there, right? And Watson has eight touchdowns in his last four games, but he's a really a big time, a uh, big play threat. And, you know, the Rams, if they don't contain him, he's going to make their lives difficult. So uh, also injuries on the Packers offense, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, uh, they've missed practice this week along the offensive line. I would say that they're probably both going to play, but uh, probably can't be too sure. Bakhtiari, maybe it's more of a concern with these frigid temperatures this weekend. So any thoughts on maybe this young receiver core for the Packers or how this, these injuries might affect the Packers offensive line? 
Um, yeah, I, 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 I think that, you know, there's, um, it, it's, it's really disappointing not to have Aaron Donald because I think there's, this is a game where he could have, he could have really had success and the Rams really could have gotten after Aaron Rodgers and they, they still might. Michael Hoyt's done a really good job, um, and been a consistent, uh, pass rusher on, on that other side. I think looking at these Packers wide receivers, um, the one that really scares me is Christian Watson. Um, I think over the last six weeks, he ranks second in the NFL, uh, tied for second in the NFL with an with an average depth of target of eighteen point four yards. Um, so he's he's someone that's gonna he, he can beat you vertical ver, ver, vertically. And this season, we've seen several times, you know, even though the Rams play that cushion, they still somehow tend to get beat vertically. So um, we saw we saw it last week with Devontae Adams. We've seen it just we've seen it several times throughout the, throughout the season. So. Um, it's something the Rams are going to have to be, have to be ready for. Um, yeah, Jalen Ramsey will probably play a lot um, opposite of, of of Christian Watson, and um, you know, hope and the probably the Rams will probably tr- make someone like Romeo Dobbs, who's who's had injuries as of late, beat them. Um, so uh, hopefully, it is yeah. The, the Rams are just going to need 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 to be ready for Christian Watson because yeah, he's uh, really come on as of late and shown that he can be a serious threat down the field. Yeah, and you mentioned Michael Hoyt on this defense. He's really been the Rams' best pass rusher with Aaron Donald out. But uh, I guess, number one, he struggled against the Raiders and really keeping contain on the edge. And Matt Collins, the Raiders got him on reverse sweeps and you know outside runs all day long. I think he had three three runs for 40 or 50 yards in that game. So that's going to be a big point of improvement for Hoyt. Is that something that can be coached into him? Or is that just a talent level? Maybe you have played interior your entire life. Now you're out on the edge. It's a link thing and a measurables, just your body shape. It's an athleticism thing. I guess, do you think he can improve there? Or is this maybe just a limitation of moving someone outside? Um, yeah, I, I, I think he can improve there. Like, like I, I think last last week against the Raiders is just something that, you know, he has played on the interior for so long where he, he is still learning this edge position. So he, he's not he's not used to being that player that has to contain the edge. Um, so I, I'm not sure if that's something that can necessarily be. Um, I think it's something he can gradually get better at uh, over the next over the next three four weeks. But um, I think it's something that he can really kind of start to. If, if the Rams do permanently move him to to edge rush to edge rusher um, in 2023, I think it's something that he can um, really focus on the, the, this off season and, and and get and get better in that in that in that aspect because yeah i mean he, he was kind of just kind of thrown in th- thrown in the fire here um this season and, and ha- has played well there are like there are the obvious areas of improvement but i think that's more of an off-season thing than a than a, than um to take the steps that i think he wants to t- wants to take than 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 an, than an in-season improvement where um he, he he's still doing th- things out of habit than than um in i i guess you know He's he, he he has to think about containing the edge than 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 not than not being 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 an being an interior player where you know that is not something that he had to do. Yeah, and I agree. I think it's a just a point for coaching, and it just takes time to learn that. But if you have juice rushing the passer, we'll figure the rest of the of the stuff out. You know, and Hoyt has that. He has harassed quarterbacks. Had that big hit on Derek Carr to force Taylor Rapp's game winning interception on that Thursday night game. So, what do you? Let's one more question on Hoyt. And they'll move on to the offense, maybe. But what do you think about Hoyt's ceiling? Is he? A, can you trust him to enter the year as a starter? And you know, I guess it also in tandem, if you move on from Leonard Floyd, how do you find two new edge rushers in one season and expect them to play at a level that's you know a championship caliber? 
Yeah, it's really tough. Um, you make a great point. Like, yeah, I think Leonard Floyd has a has a movable contract after June first. Um, I think they they can they can trade him pre June first and, and not eat too much dead money. Um, that is a movable a movable contract. But finding one edge rusher for this team has been pretty difficult, let alone two. So, um, I think you know next year, um, next year I think you stick with Hoyt, kind of kind of a rotational guy. Um. I think I said it last week. I think his ceiling is probably a better version of, of what Morgan Fox was. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, they can draft somebody and work Hoyt and, and rookie in as a tandem and and have Floyd on the other side. Uh, I think that's the route that they that they probably should go. But um, throwing in Hoyt on the edge, I think they, they really figure out, uh, they really unlock something there. And um, it, uh, you, you sitting at four or nine with not a lot to play for. I think if you can figure out something like Hoyt being a good player on the edge, that's that's a successful that that, that, that can be found as seen as a success. I think given given despite a losing record. Yeah, it's almost like you're getting your top five pick back from the Lions. You know, uh, pretty much exactly. equals it out. <laughs> okay, maybe not. But I lied. Hey, one more question on the defense, and then we'll move on. Uh, I wrote about this week. The Rams have an interesting decision this year between if they keep Greg Gaines or if they keep Ashawn Robinson on that interior defensive line. Robinson obviously has a meniscus tear. He's been out for the rest of the year. Uh, Gaines maybe has some juice as a pass rusher, a little bit more versatile, extremely good mover for his size. I think that's why I'd maybe a loaded question at this point, but I think that's why I'd lean towards keeping him over Robinson. Robinson also might be more expensive as a veteran, even though he's been in the NFL six seasons, he's still only 27 years old. Uh, just quickly, Blaine, which way would you lean? Uh, I would probably lean lean great gains as well. Um, just he, he he is younger, has less wear on the tires. Uh, Robinson, it is crazy. He's only been in the league. It seems like he's been in the league forever, but he, he has only been in the league six years, and he is only 27 years old. So age really isn't a concern there, but I think it's more of a, a wear on the tires injury thing um, with him. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd probably lean gains there, um, and and hopefully you know, uh, H. Robinson has been really good as a as a run defender, but I think if gains can sort of develop there, and you keep Bobby Wagner, who's really been a huge reason for the Rams' run defense, I think you know a, a pairing of of Wagner and Gaines um, is 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 the way to go. Nice, yeah. And we had a poll in that article, and that was pretty much the consensus. I think Rams fans, you know, Gaines is kind of a fan favorite too, so. Uh, probably expect the team to hold on to him, but we'll see how things work out this offseason. And, you know, the Packers defense, they're supposed to be a, an elite level. Maybe the offense is supposed to take a step back. This defense is supposed to keep the boat steady and really uh, was a top top five unit in all of football. And you know, they lost Rashawn Gary around the middle of the year out for the season. Preston Smith, probably their next best pass rusher. Not exactly a huge threat or game changer. But really where their struggles have come is that middle linebacker where Devontae Campbell last year really had an outlier type year, uh, a big breakout that earned him a huge contract. And, you know, then you draft rookie Quay Walker in the first round. And you know, he has all the skills and athleticism, a really good pass coverage linebacker that you'd expect to see. But seems a little bit slow on the uptake, maybe is playing a little bit more reactive than prescriptive and maybe just relying on his instincts. Uh, do you agree, Blaine? That's kind of where the defense fell apart, other than injuries. Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah, like, like, like you said, you know, this this defense that we we kind of went into the season kind of thinking that they would sort of carry this Packers team a little bit. They, they're, they're, there's a ton of talent in that secondary. I mean, Jair Alexander is just is just, is just one of, one of those examples of just being a very elite player in his position. And um, 
And yeah, I, I kind of saw this Packers team as maybe being kind of similar to the 2010 Packers team where that defense kind of carried them late in the year to to Super Bowl to 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 Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, that just hasn't been the case. Um, you, uh, Barry's is, is, is on the hot seat as defensive coordinator. Um, they've been absolutely atrocious stopping the run. I think they they, they, they that run defense ranks 32nd in DVOA. Uh, they're 0.073 EPA per rush allowed, ranks 31st. They've allowed five yards per carry, which also ranks in the bottom five at 30th. Um, so, you know, it's not to say the Rams have a good rushing attack, but if if if, if Cam Akers has played a little better over the last four weeks or so um, since he's kind of been given the reins as, as, as a lead guy. So um, and Akers in the, in the playoff game of 2020, I believe he had 18 carries for 90 yards and averaged five yards per carry in that game. Now that Akers has shown that he can be he's he's that same player since, since then after, after the Achilles. But I think if there's a game for him to kind of break out. Uh, this is it. I mean, if you can get the run game going, um, get Baker Mayfield going for play action with something that he's really good with, uh, I, I, I can see the offense having some success here. Um, yeah, the 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 temperature on a on a Monday night, I believe that I believe the high is is nineteen degrees, the low is like five degrees. It's gonna be it's gonna be cold at at at, at Lambeau Field on Monday, but. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you can really get Cam Akers in the run game going, play a kind of a physical brand of football, offensive line should be relatively the same that it's been the last couple of weeks. So um, if you can get get the offensive line going in the run game, get Cam Akers going in the run game, uh, open up the play action, I, I I can see the Rams having some some success against a defense that, like you said, has really struggled this year, especially at the linebacker position. And McFay's really good at at at, at exploiting um, poor linebacker play. Yeah, maybe we're in store for an Anthony Barr type game whenever you talk about that Thursday night against the Minnesota Vikings several years back. But uh, the Packers have given up 400 yards in their last four games. I'm not sure that's what we should should expect from this Rams offense just because I don't think they put up 400 yards in a single game this season, maybe. I could be wrong, but doesn't just my first reaction is there's no way. But let's do kind of a rapid fire on the offense, and then we'll move on to the actual game. But uh, who's... Who's an X factor at the offensive skill positions for the Rams this week? Um, I'm looking at, I think two players here. I think uh, Ben Skronik. I think this really could be a, 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 a Ben Skronik game. You know, maybe get him involved. Um, get, get him back at, at at fullback a little bit. You know, get get, put, put, get him out on 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 a leak to exploit those linebackers. Uh, get him get him on that on a matchup that's really favorable to him. Um, he has done really, done really well at wide receiver too. The last couple weeks had the big catch on the final drive against the Raiders. Um, so I'm looking I'm looking at him a little bit, and then I think you have to look at Tutu Atwell, who's played just really well really well the last last um two three weeks, and um you know. Get him involved on, on on some jet sweeps, jet sweeps. Get those linebackers moving side to side. Um, I, I I I I like Skronik. I think more as the as and as the X factor. But I think you know, get Tutu Atwell involved. He's been one of the best players on offense the last couple of weeks, and I say keep feeding them. Yeah, I don't know if, if we should expect that performance out of Ben Skronik again, just because it's really an outlier over the rest of his career. But he was all over the place against the Raiders, really catching those intermediate type routes. Then he had the the deep sideline catch uh, towards the end of the game where he you know went up above two defenders. So if help, like we said, confidence is a hell of a drug, right? And whenever you have a, a quarterback who'll give you a chance to go make a play, and you're a big body receiver, uh, go show out. And I think it's awesome. And uh, you know, Ben Skronik, whenever he can play that hybrid full like fullback role, uh, he's a good blocker. He's gonna he's someone you want to give a lot of reps to and a lot of snaps and a lot of opportunities. So if you can establish yourself as a pass for catching threat, I think that's awesome for this team moving forward. But yeah, I want to see bombs away to Tutu Atwell. 
Uh, you have a Baker Mayfield had you know 13 days to work with that well since he's been claimed now. Uh, let's build some chemistry and let's get after this Packers defense because I'm so excited to see where this guy can go uh, as a former second round pick, someone who hasn't had a lot of opportunities, but every single time he's been on the field, he's proved Sean McVay wrong, and now he's really earned. Uh, you know, he's the Rams' best receiver right now and the most explosive threat that they have on probably the entire team at this point with all the injuries. So uh, let's start making some predictions. The Packers are seven-point favorites in this game. That seems a little steep, right? Or, or are you going to take the maybe the points here? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not a betting man by, by any means, but um, I, I think seven points does seem like a lot. But, I mean, you also look at the last two – um, the, the last two meetings at Lambeau Field, the Rams have had they lost by I think eight points last year and uh, I think fourteen points the year before or something like that. So, um, I, I I think the line is kind of fair and going off of past past meetings, but as we know, the NFL no no two meetings are exactly the same. So, um, and then the, the the Rams also just don't have a lot of success at Lambeau Field. I don't think they've won at Lambeau Field, um, in November in November December since. 1977, I think, was 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 the last time. So, um, just not a lot of success on Lambeau Field at, at this time at this time of year coming from coming from a, a warm weather to LA. So, um, I would probably I, I I do think it's gonna be a tighter game. I could see the Rams. I could see the Rams pulling out a close win. I could see them making it pretty tight um, at the at at at, at the end. Uh, so, I, I yeah, I, I, I'd probably lean the Rams here, but I think the seven the seven point line is 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 is, is a fair one. Do you think Baker Mayfield throws for over three hundred yards? Um, it's uh the last time he played Lambeau, Lambeau I think he had two touchdowns and four inter- and four interceptions was definitely a for- forgettable game. But coming from Cleveland, I think he's I don't want to say he's used to the cold weather because nobody's really ever used to cold weather. But he's 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 played in it. He's played in it. So, um, I think three hundred yards is a, is a stretch. But I could see him going for going for two fifty. How dare you mention the four interception game, but <laughs> good point. So you've done your homework. That's good. Uh, okay. The Rams remaining opponents. We have the Packers on Monday, Broncos on Christmas day, followed by the Chargers and Seahawks. If the Rams could only win one game, which one do you think means the most? Um, Just kind of growing up is in, in the, in the, um, in the late 2000s or in early 2010s, I just I kind of grew up absolutely hating the Seattle Seahawks, probably more than the 49ers, to be quite honest. So um, if the Rams can if, if, the, if the Seahawks are playing for a playoff spot that week 18 game and the Rams can play spoiler and, and, and get that win in Seattle in front of the Seattle fan base and kind of send them home, send them home heartbroken, uh, I'd, I'd be I'd be I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how old you are, Blaine, but I assume around the same age, the late 20s, early 30s. And I really agree with you. I know that's probably a generational difference for Rams fans where uh, the younger folks are probably more, they hate the Seattle Seahawks because they're the biggest rivals, especially through the Jeff Fisher years. But uh, the Los Angeles Rams fans, you know, the people who have followed the team since they were their first in Los Angeles, uh, you know, they hate the 49ers. And that, those are the big rivals. So uh, I think it's just an interesting point. And no one talks about the Cardinals, right? Uh, so that's maybe more of a recent development that the Cardinals have been a consistently good team, but I think I would, you know, it'd be nice to knock the Seahawks out of the playoffs. Right. But I think I would go with the chargers game just because it's, you know, it's technically a home game at SoFi stadium for them. You're battling for LA and you it's, I hope the fans have a good show out. I hope the Rams, you know, beat the chargers who are also battling for playoff contention and really assert themselves as, you know, LA's team. So the next time we see the Rams will be on Christmas day. And maybe, you know, hoping Aaron Donald and Russell Wilson both are on the field. Uh, Strangely, that game has a lot of draft pick implications where, you know, 
maybe the Rams win the game and help Seattle get a higher draft pick. That's kind of an interesting dynamic we never saw coming. Uh, but also maybe you know if the Broncos come on top, the Lions really have a good chance for a top three, top five pick too. So any final thoughts on this game, Blaine? Um, yeah, yeah, just, um, I, I, I think that, that this Rams team just needs to continue doing what they've done the last couple couple weeks and playing with a, um, playing with a, you know, just, just go out there and have, have, have fun kind of, kind of mentality. And, uh, I think we've seen McVay do a lot of, 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 of fun things with, with that, with that sort of mindset, mindset. We've seen a lot of the smoke and mirror stuff that we really talked about, you know, you probably should have used early, early on in the season, but, um, yeah, just keep on going out with it with the nothing to lose mindset that, 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 that I'm like, Early early on the season, when you had the pressure of being the defending Super Bowl champion, I, I, I was sitting at four and nine late in the season, really with a very 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 small chance of making the playoffs. Uh, that 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 pressure is no longer there. So just go out and keep playing like it, like they have nothing to lose. And I, I think you know, despite being four and nine, I think as fans, there's there's a lot of stuff that we can still enjoy while watching these games. Yep, I think you just want to see the offense be competent, and you want to see the defense hold up and you know kind of find out who's going to be a part of this team moving forward but uh it's going to be a lot of fun on monday night either way uh just it's going to be you know they, we don't see a lot of to- uh, opportunities for your team to play in primetime games you only get a max of five every year so it's still a special uh night no matter what and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode you can do it through your favorite podcast app chris daniel kenneth arthur and i will be back monday night after the game Uh, to kind of give you our thoughts and maybe we'll have some more Baker Mayfield magic to talk about. Should be a lot of fun. And, you know, Blaine, thanks for coming on and everyone. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.